When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Astros Baseball. Tonight, your guest is me, Bob Ford. Welcome, guys, to Astros Baseball. That was awesome, Bob. That was awesome. I hope I did it like you wanted it, you know? Hello, Rob. (laughs) Yeah, that was very good. Very good. So anyway, man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, It's been an honor talking to you. I know you're an honor talking to you too, dude. I know you're very modest. You know, you don't like the attention, but I'm smiling right now. I've never smiled this big talking to someone. Uh, Well, good, good. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm smiling too, Rob. Okay. (laughs) I really am. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about you a little bit. This is what I want to. I just want to talk about how you got into doing what you do. I read that you were a young man in Catholic school in Galveston, and the nuns noticed your unique voice. Yeah. Did you have a unique voice as a very young child? Well, that was, uh, it, it, it wasn't necessarily my voice. I was gifted and I was blessed with, uh, the ability to read and it was something as early as like the first grade i i I went to catholic schools you know all the way through you know from elementary school to junior high school to high school i went catholic schools all the way so it was nuns and brothers and that was uh that was something that i was blessed with honestly i was was able to read and just you know uh, I, i was able to you know open the book and read and read read aloud and uh, I had a, a my my teacher in the first grade, Mother Kevin. This is back when they called them mothers, the nuns. And I was I I would always get ribbons for reading good, and you know awards for reading well, and this and that. And she would always call on me to read, and it's like, wow, this is easy, you know. And it's like, and I would sit there, and the other kids would try to read, and it's like they, you know, and I couldn't understand why why they'd have trouble like just just read it dude it's there on the paper in front of you just read it but i was blessed you know and i was able to do that from the first grade on and uh being in catholic school this is back in the 60s we would have mass every morning before school and uh it got to the point where uh, I was like in the third grade and, and the teacher said you ought to cuz you know you in catholic mass you have the readings where a lay person gets up and reads, you know, a couple of the readings, the epistles, as they used to call them, uh, before the priest would get up and read the gospel. I was like in the third grade, and and my teacher uh, said, you ought to do this. So I was like, okay, great. And I fell in love. I w- well, I was enamored. Even in the third grade, when I would get up there in the, in the, in the mass at church, you know, before school would start just, I mean, because uh, this was St. Patrick's in Galveston, a beautiful, it wasn't a cathedral, quote unquote, but it was a big Gothic church. And uh, and it would be, 
I mean, I was just enamored with being a kid and listening to the way that my voice sounded in that church in the third grade. It's like, wow, this is cool. And I've, I, whenever, you know, from elementary school through junior high, even high school, and whenever, you know, whenever we'd have mass, I would always do the readings, you know, and, uh, it was just one of those things where it was like, yeah, it was just, you know, nobody thought anything about it. It was just the way it was. And, uh, I, I did that through, through school and then, uh, you know, getting, you know, there's, there's a certain amount you know, I, I'm not going to be shy about it. You know, we're all hams to a certain extent, you know, doing what we do and be, be it in radio or be it in, uh, you know, I, I worked at, uh, there was a place down here called Sierrama Marine World opened back in the early sixties back here on Galveston Island. This is a, a precursor to, to what SeaWorld is now. And, uh, and they had live shows and I went out there and applied out there when I was like 13 years old and, and I got hired to do the live shows, to do the dolphin shows and the killer whale shows and the alligator shows. And so, you know, I was doing that when I was 13 and then I got into radio. One of uh, my homeroom teacher, when I was uh, a sophomore, she said, Hey, I've talked to the people over at this radio station and I've arranged an interview for you. This is out of the blue. It's like, really? And uh, so, sure enough, I went over there and uh, did an audition, and and uh, thank God they hired me. I was 15 years old at the time, and that's, you know, when I started my radio career. And, uh, you know, I spent, uh, uh, you know, I, I did my, well, my sophomore, junior, and senior years in high school here in Galveston Radio, and then uh, graduated, went to the University of Houston, and that summer, after I graduated, I got hired by an ABC-owned and operated station in Houston and started working in Houston for 20 years. So, uh, is it, you know, there's, there's, there, there, there have been so many different avenues and tangents of my, of my professional and personal career. It's like, okay, you know, where do these enter, intersect? And it's like, okay, you know, radio here, Ciarama here, baseball there. And it's like, you know, they all come together one way or another. But, you know, you're not interested in my old Ciarama days or my radio days. You want to talk about Astros. So, well, here we uh, are. before we came on air, you told a story about Crash. Yeah. Share, share that one real quick. That was an interesting story. Well, there was a guy. This is Houston Radio. Uh, you know, for those of you that know Houston Radio, this is back in the early 70s. And I was, uh, there was a station uh, called KLOL. This is, uh, you know, long before FM radio really, you know, asserted its dominance. It was all AM radio at the time. It's like, wow, there's this thing called FM where the music sounds really cool. So there was a station in Houston that came on KLOL and it was a, an, an AOR, album oriented rock. And this is, you know, you got to remember it's 1970, 1971. And I'm 14, 13, 14 years old, and I'm listening to this guy on the radio. His name was Crash. And he was like, yeah, Crash at your dash. And it was like, you know, I was listening to that. It's like, yeah, this, is, this guy really sounds like he's having fun. This is what I want to do. And, uh, you know, I listened to Crash all those years, and, uh, and, and I finally got into radio in 1973, a couple of years after that, when I was 15 years old, and uh, spent all those years developing and going through Houston radio and lo and behold, the, uh, 
the opportunity presents itself. I met Crash after all these years, and it was like, uh, you know, he, he, he was like an older brother that I never had. And Crash, you know, you listen to his, uh, his persona on the air, and it's like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. But he was, he was the most eloquent, fine-spoken man, <laughs> one of the most fine-spoken men that I've ever met. It's like, no, this can't be the same guy, because this guy's really making sense. But yeah, uh, yeah it, it was like just totally amazing. And Crash and I ended up doing uh, a morning show on the classic rock station uh, in Houston for a couple of years. And it was it was so much fun. It was an honor just being able to work with this guy, because this is the guy, you know, 20 years earlier that I grew up listening to. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, God, God bless him. He passed away almost 10 years ago. But uh, but he was fun. God, he was fun. I mean, he'd have me doubled up with belly laughs at 5.30 every morning before we'd go on the air. And we had fun. We really did. So you started doing uh, voice work. You have your own business, right? Home Sports Entertainment? Uh, well, yeah, I've got a, a studio here at the house. Uh, there was uh, a station out in, well, it was KSEP 104 out in San Antonio. There was a buddy of mine that I used to work with at a radio station in Houston who left Houston and went to become the program director out at KZEP. And I was doing the imaging for KZEP for years back in the 90s. And, and I flew out to San Antonio one day when I was on vac vacation from the radio station. And, uh, and one of the guys out there said, man, you need to build your own studio. And it's like, why? I, you know, I use the radio station <laughs> studio. You know, I don't need to do that. And he said, no, trust me, do it. And I said, okay, fine. Uh, so I, uh, actually, this is back in what, 91, 92, and I took out a, a big loan. And uh, this was before the onset of all this digital stuff, you know, or, or just at the very dawn of all the digital recording stuff. And uh, it was quite expensive to set up a studio then, not, not like it is now. You know, I mean, you can get into a, you know, a real nice studio, set up your own setup for, you know, a grand or two. Mm -hmm. But back then, this was almost 50 grand. So I took out a big loan for that. And sure enough, I set up my studio. And, and then, uh, you know, it's like, so I started doing stuff on the side out of my studio. And lo and behold, two years later, it's like, well, we're going to go in a different direction. It's like, uh, you know, they fired us from the radio station. It's like, I don't have access to a production room at that time. But Thank the Lord, I had my studio here at the house set up. And I remember telling my wife, it's like, well, I'm going to try this. You know, I mean, if it doesn't work, I can always go back on the air somewhere. And that was back in uh, October of 93. And thank the Lord, it's like I'm still going strong here. So, you know, I've been blessed doing, being able to do what I do. So I, I got this here that... The Astros vice president. I guess this was in 99. When did you start? 93? 94. 94. 94 was my first season. Right. The Astros vice president said, I want someone that sounds like Bob Ford. Well, he didn't He didn't specifically say Bob oh, Ford. Like you. Like yeah, you. there was, I was doing, uh, if you ever watch ESPN, there's a girl on, on Espen called Hannah Storm. And I used to work with Hannah at 97 Rock in Houston. And I remember this is back in the in the middle 80s, and uh, there was a, a thing called Home Sports Entertainment. It was before all these regional sports networks really proliferated 
around the country, and, and, and HSE was one of the first. And uh, I remember Hannah, Hannah and I were buddies, and Hannah's dad was one of the shots over at HSE. And I remember there was, because uh, I was listening to, I was watching HIC and, 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 and the people that they had doing the promos were all the play-by-play guys. And it's like, you know, I can do promos. You know, I can do that. Uh, so I talked to Hannah because I knew her dad was over there. And, and she said, yeah, you need to go over here and talk to so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. So uh, sure enough, I set up an appointment and uh, I went over there and they said, you're hired. And it's like, really? <laughs> so... <laughs> That was back in 1986, and what was Home Sports Entertainment, uh, it's gone through quite a few uh, identities, Prime Sports, and uh, eventually went to Fox Sportsnet, which we still are today, and I'm still doing, you know, thank the Lord, Fox Sportsnet some 35 years later. So uh, I was doing that, and uh, there's there's a couple of different things that, because, because uh, you know, I know you're going to well, how'd you get the Astros gig? Well, I, I had always, let me bring you back to my very first paying gig, if you will. This is uh, Galveston Island, and uh, again, I hearken back to like being good in front of the microphone as a kid, okay? Uh, I was playing Pony Colt baseball. I was playing on, uh, you know, 13, 14, 15 years, years old, I was playing all those years and I was a shortstop and a first baseman uh, for two nights a week and a buddy of mine down the street was the PA announcer for the Pony Colt Stadium and he said hey you want to do this when when I can't and it's like yeah I'll do it that sounds like fun and that was my first paying gig and it turned into you know to where I was working uh, three nights a week and you know playing you know on the field the other two nights a week so, you know, I was getting five bucks a night for two games. Not only was I announcing it, I was the official, quote unquote, scorekeeper. And I'd have to call the newspaper every night and give them the box scores. And uh, that was my first introduction to, you know, uh, behind the scenes organized baseball when I was like 13 years old. So I was doing that. And that, and, and that was my very first gig, even before radio, even before I got into radio. So I was doing that for a couple of years and, uh, you know, I'd always been interested in like, wow, if I could ever do that at the dome, you know, being the astronaut, being the PA announcer, wow, that sounds like fun. And I had applied because the, uh, the PA announcer at the time, a, a gentleman by the name of J Fred Duckett. And he was the guy that, I mean, you know, he was there from like 1965 till, you know, whoever or, or whenever. He was the guy that did the Jose Cruz, you know, the guy that I grew up listening to. But mm -hmm. he would he would take a, uh, for lack of a better word, sabbatical. He was he was big into Olympics and track and sports, and he was a, uh, uh, I don't know what the official term was, but he would go to the Olympics wherever they were around the world every four years as somewhat of an official scorer or something, if you will. And, and he would always leave the Astros. So there was, a, there was a time there, five or six years before I actually got the gig, where I would apply. And it's like, yeah, you know, I know Jay Fred's leaving. It's like, can I fill in? And I never heard squat, you know? Like, well, okay, <laughs> fine. So as it turns out, uh, I was doing mornings at uh, the Houston Classic Rock Station. And uh, they would bring up the Astros 
would bring up a in, in the off season a, a guest jock uh, once a week, every week in the off season. You know, a player. You know, uh, Bagwell, Biggio, uh, Shane Reynolds. All these guys would come up and hang with us for an hour. You know, once a week. Uh, you know, one for a couple of hours. Uh, one one show once a week, and I get to know all the guys and and get to know you know the the people in the Astros. And then they flew Crash and I down to uh, uh, Kissimmee back in '93 for spring training, and. Uh, and we spent a week down there doing our show live, live from Kissimmee. At, uh, <laughs> you know, and it was cold down there. I remember that. It's like, this is Florida in March and it's freezing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we did our show down there for a week. And I got to know, you know, the folks from the Astros, you know, uh, working hand in hand with them. And as it turns out, that was Drayton McLean's uh, first year. And the next year, he said he wanted to make a change at uh, public address announcer. So I got wind of that through my friends at HSE, and they said, "Yeah, put in a tape, go apply." So that's um, you know, if, if you're in radio, you you send somebody a tape, quote unquote, an air check. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I I don't remember what I sent them, but it was a, it was on a cassette tape, and I said, you know, can you please consider me for the audition? This is back in. 94, uh, the first part of 1994. And uh, sure enough, the, I, I get a call uh, February of 1994, and the guys there are saying, oh, well, you've been chosen as one of the finalists uh, to be the Astros PA announcer. And I was tickled pink. It's like, wow, this is cool. So I had to go in, and I remember specific, they were setting up for the rodeo. This is when they used to do the uh, the rodeo, Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo in the Dome. And uh, they brought us in one by one. We, you know, I didn't see anybody else. There were 12 of us, 12 finalists. And they each <laughs> gave us the same script, and, and they sat us in the booth, and we got to read. It was like two pages of stuff, baseball-related uh, and we got to read that over the Astros PA. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Astrodome PA. It's like, mm -hmm. wow, this is this is cool. Even if I don't get this gig, this is cool doing this, you know. Yeah. So they did that, and they recorded it on a cassette. And uh, and then from what I understand, I obviously wasn't there, but this is all hearsay. Uh, they had the roundtable of the Astros executives like a week later after they'd wrapped up all the auditions. And, uh, they, uh, they sat down and they were going to listen to all the tapes and, uh, a guy who ended up being a dear friend of mine, the vice, uh, the president of business operations at the time, a gentleman by the name of Bob McLaren, a great guy, uh, from what I understand, he stood up and said, now this is what we're looking for to this, you know, panel. He said, I want somebody that sounds like that guy on HSE, which was me. <laughs> and, and they went through a couple of tapes and listened to them. And then they stuck my tape in and I started talking on the tape. <laughs> and from what I understand, it's all hearsay, but I understand that Bob McLaren jumped up and said, that's him. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that sealed the deal there. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the story that I read about you. Yeah. That he said, I want someone that sounds like that. So you, you also do University of Houston football as well? Yeah, uh, yeah I did. Uh, I, I've, I've done the University of Houston since uh, we opened up the TDECU Stadium back in 
2014. So uh, this will be my, what, seventh season there, which is fun. You know, Cougar football. And then I did uh, the shortened life of the XFL, our first season last year, and then COVID, as it did with so many other things, shut that down. So that was the end of the XFL and that iteration back then. But I understand it's coming back. So we'll see. We'll see. So your per your first PA job and your only one was that pony league in when you were 13 yeah. and then you just go from that and years later how old were you when you started with the the Astros in 94 94 I, I would have been what was I 37 <laughs> God I'm getting old yeah 94 oh, wow. Well I was I was born in 57 so 30 94, yeah, that would have been 37 years old when I started with the Astros then. <laughs> An old man. <laughs> <laughs> Time flies, Rob, I promise you. Yeah, it does. Trust yeah, me, it I does. know. I'm, I'm fit. I'll be turning 50 on Wednesday, so I know. Well, good. Happy birthday early. Thank you. So tell me about a typical day for you. I mean, when you, you know, when you go to the ballpark. Uh, show up, uh, say we got a seven, seven, ten first pitch, show up about five. Uh, last year was an, uh, was an aberration, uh, um, you know, with the COVID and everything and nobody in the stand. So I'll hearken back to 2019, uh, when things were somewhat normal, uh, show up, uh, five o'clock, Go into the control room, check in, let everybody know I'm here. Hey, Bob made it. So, okay, you don't have to worry about me. So I'm there. Uh, check. Uh, that's about the time where they're getting all of the pregame scripts and everything together for all of the uh, pregame activities that go on, you know, before the first pitch, you know, all the uh, sponsored stuff that has to do. And I'll go through and kind of peruse that, kind of read the copy and, make sure there's no weird names that I have to find out pronunciations for and just make sure that I'm good with that. And that's really about it. You know, I mean, you know, I've, I've read stories about some PA announcers and they're like, yes, yeah, so I get there five hours before the first pitch and I got to go through this <laughs> word by word. It's like, Oh, come on, man, relax, dude. But there's some guys that do that. Me, <laughs> I just don't, you know, I don't, you know, I get what I have to, I get done what I have to get done. And it's like, oh, you know, I'm good with that. So then I'll yeah. go grab a bite to eat and wait for the first pitch. So basically you just show up and read stuff. Yeah. You know, I hate to, you know, <laughs> hope, hope I don't sound like a schmuck saying, I just show up and read, you know, no, I hope I don't sound <laughs> like that, but no, you don't. Well, well that's basically it. You know, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. Like some of these other guys, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's brain surgery. You know? Like, Oh, come on. Give me a yeah. I mean, I mean, if you were calling the game play by play, you'd have to prepare, but I mean, well, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. and, 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 and hats off to all the guys that do the broadcast and those guys like i mean through the years i've you know uh been shoulder to shoulder milo hamilton bill brown uh bill warrell you know uh, you know so uh, th these guys are legends and and they spend i mean those are the guys that are in there before the game sitting there you know with their heads you know their nose to the grind and you know, taking notes and doing all this, you know, and those are the guys that are serious because they have to call on that because they're jibber jabbering for, you know, three and a half, four hours. And, and, you know, they've got to come up with all the pertinent information and they have it there. So hats off to them. But me, <laughs> I, you know, I, 
do the uh, pre pregame once pregame's over. You know, my hard work is done. You know, basically, it's just you know leading off. You know, so and so, so and so. That doesn't take a lot of studying. You know. So you're already an Astro fan before you get the job. Oh yeah. So oh yeah. So I mean, like, how awesome is that to get to watch your favorite team? Eighty-one home games a year, and yeah. get, you know, and get to call them out. It's pretty yeah. nice. You know, I'm. Uh, you know, again, I hope I don't sound like a schmuck, but it's like, like anything, it turns into a job. You know, there's some nights where it's like I don't want to go to a ball game tonight. You know, but you know, I have to. Uh, you know, as it is with anything, it can turn into a job. But I've, I've been lucky. I've been blessed to be able to do what I do, and for the most part. You know, I mean, there were some some rather lean years in there. If you'll remember back, you know, eight or nine years ago, back before the Astros really caught their stride on this latest run, where, where we were pitiful, man, losing 100-plus games a year. And it was like, okay. And that was tough. Yeah. From growing up being an Astro fan, you know, I, I had to learn seriously now because, I mean, I would get emotionally down. You know, for the first, you know, for that first year where we were just, you know, where we'd really suck. And it was like, oh, man, this is horrible, you know. And it's like, and I got to go back and do it again tomorrow night. But it was like, you know, I had to divorce myself from that. It was like it got to the point where it's like, okay, another game, you know. It's like, okay, fine. But, you know, I mean, I first and foremost, I was a fan from when I was a kid. When I, you know, you know, growing up playing baseball and, you know, having the Astros. but. You know, back back then when I was a kid growing up, the Astros were only on TV, and even in, on black and white TVs when I was a kid, only on Sundays. And it was like, that was a big deal. You know, hey, let's watch the Astros on a black and white TV. So, you know, I'm a an, an Astros fan from way back when. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it took some a, a conscious effort for me not to get you know, em- emotionally bummed when we were such a horrible team for those three or four years. I understand what you mean about that, how something you actually enjoy doing can yeah. turn into a job. Because I enjoy doing this. Yeah. And I usually do shows after each series. And there's like, I usually do them on Sundays because the, the, the series always ends on Sunday. Right. And sometimes I'm like, man, and I just don't feel like doing this. And and I've said you. that to myself. Like sometimes this feels like a job. I know. I well, you know, don't, don't like don't, doing it. Don't get me wrong. It's like you know, I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed to be able to do what I do. And I don't hate what I do. No. But uh, you know, I mean, I'm driving, you know, sixty miles up and sixty miles back every game because I live, you know, on the island in Galveston. Uh, but I've been doing that for decades. Uh, you know, I don't have any trouble with that, but yeah, you know, like anything, it turns into a job, you know, uh, but you know, it's not like, oh God, I hate having to go to the ballpark today. No, you know, it's never that. Right. It's, it's just, uh, uh yeah, I'd, I'd rather sit at home with a beer and popcorn and watch the game on TV. That's, that's been a, you know, a couple of times that's happened, but you know, but I do what I do because, you know, it's, it's like, Hey, I'm happy to be doing it. Yeah, and as you you were talking about the lean years when they weren't that good, yeah, and doing a podcast, it's like okay, well, <laughs> I got I got to recap this series that we just got outscored fifty two to three, and yeah. talk about us losing three games in a row, and yeah. so I, I kind of feel. I mean, I'm you know we have different 
things going on, but I, I kind of feel that a little bit. Well, I hope I didn't shock anyone by thinking, God, this guy's a, you know, a bum thinking he's, he's, you know, he hates going to the ballpark. Oh, you know, I'd give <laughs> anything to do that. Yeah. You know, Hey, sorry. I, you know, I didn't mean to offend anybody, but you know, that it is, is what it is. That yeah. is not how it sounded. Okay. At all. Thank you. It just, Thank it you. just says like, I mean, even if, if you got up every morning and you love to play golf and you play <laughs> golf seven days in a row, let's start feeling like a job. That's a good analogy. I mean, Rob. yeah, there it you really go. <laughs> okay. All right. Let me ask you this. Uh, what's your favorite part of the game? Uh, you know, I, 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 I've never been asked that question. I don't know. You know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, the game gets going. We've had so many in the past four or five seasons, so many exciting moments, you know, with the playoffs and the World Series and the championship and all that. Uh, there, are, there are so many moments. I, you know, I, if, if, there's a, if you're asking for a specific uh, time period or a specific event in, in a game, you know, I couldn't tell you, you know. I mean, the game as, as a whole, and, you know, don't think I'm full of – you know what, when I say this, but I do honestly try to keep in mind uh, that, you know, some of the people, some of the kids, some of the folks that are out there, the fans that are in the stands, this is their first baseball game. And I try to hearken back to my first Astros baseball game and how excited that I was just to be there and the sights and the sounds and the smells you know, and the and the emotions that you feel. I, you know, it's not like I sit there and think, well, this is, you know, all the time. But no, you know, I try to hearken back to that and keep that in the in the back of my head and try to try to do what I do with that in mind as uh, you know, trying to keep a uh you know, make it a make it a memorable experience for the for the people that are there. And and that may sound corny, but that's the honest to goodness truth. Okay, so Minus COVID, regular season, go back to 2019. Okay. This will be my last question for you because I, I told you 30 minutes. Is and, that how long uh, we've gone? Uh, we, we're 29 already. Time cool. flies when you're having fun, buddy. Yes, it does. Thank you. You made me forget my question. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> okay. Go uh, when you're in the booth, I mean, are yeah. you alone or are you sitting next to the guys or where are you at? Well, it, it used to, there, there has been... Back back at the Astrodome, I was in a uh, a pseudo berth, a booth, if you will. It was uh, it, they, they they took out the seats and they put up plywood and they put up a plywood wall and a plexiglass window in front of it and made a booth. This was down the first base line, and that's the way it was back in the Astrodome. And I didn't think anything of it. I you know. I'll be honest with you. When I first started, I said, "Man, it's kind of cheesy," but you know, it, it it was what it was. And I did that for the last six years in the dome. Uh, we get we get over to Minute Maid, and uh, I was honestly given the best seat in the house, uh, the press box. We had uh, the most beautiful, uh, uh, elegant press box in all of Major League Baseball uh, back in two thousand when we opened the stadium, and I was smack dab behind home plate one you know one section up and it was like wow so i was there for like 11 years and that was everybody i was out in the open all of the uh 
all of the press, the newspaper, the radio people, we were all in the same booth and we were packed every night. Uh, but I was, you know, the people, uh, the fans, you know, walked right in front of me and it was, it was like, I'd be sitting there, you know, sitting there talking and it was like, people would stop and go, wow, that's the dude that's and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, <laughs> so, uh, so I was, I was there for like 11 years and then they, uh, decided to move the press box up one level, uh, up on the club level and, uh, turn what had been the, uh, the most elegant press box into an elegant you know, uh, pay for ticket club, you know, an exquisite club, which it still is today. It's a very nice club. And it finally dawned on somebody. It's like, well, Bob's got the best seat in the house. We can sell that for $5,000. And they did. So that is, is that the Insperity Club? That is the Insperity Club. That's where I used to sit. And it was like, <laughs> wow, I never knew I had such a great seat until I didn't have it anymore. But, uh, you know, they did that and they moved us upstairs. And I was still in the press box out in the open. Uh, and I was there for, I think, like four or five years. I mean, time, you know, kind of all melds together. And then they moved me out to the uh, control room with, uh, with all of the, uh, the end stadium television and audio. You know, all of the guys who were doing the scoreboards and everything. We were out in left field. Uh, and that was fun because there is a certain decorum a certain protocol, if you will, for press box. And I didn't know this, you know, but it's like, you can't cheer, like you can't, you know, you can't give it anything. You can't clap. You can't jump. You can't, you know, do anything because it's frowned upon. But, mm. uh, you know, when I got out to the control room with all the guys. It was like, there was a, a, a big row of like eight of us. And, you know, all these guys are my buddies. And it's like, we're pulling up to a bar watching a baseball game and we could cheer and, and gripe and cuss and say, oh, this guy stinks. You know, what are we doing with that? That would never be heard back in the press box. But, right. uh, you know, where we are there out in the control room, it was, it, you know, a lot of fun. And, you know, I've, I've made some dear friends through the years. And just last year, they moved us out into center field. I mean, it's halfway to Beaumont, if you really want to know the truth. So I'm out in center field now, way as high as you can get, as far away as you can get. So that's our new control room, my new perch. So it's going to be interesting. So just a long way out there. Wow. <laughs> I, I had no idea you were way up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll wave at you next time. Maybe you can see. <laughs> it's way out there, man. All right, Bob. That's all I have, buddy. I appreciate you coming on. It was real fun talking to you. Uh, it's and fun talking to you too, Rob. Thank you for having me. I, I smiled the whole time we talked, buddy. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you, sir. And hope to see you at uh, Minute Maid Park here in this upcoming season. All 25% of the fans. Hope you're one of them. <laughs> I hope so too. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again, Bob Ford. And uh, we'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.